Part two of our deep dive into this new collective bargaining agreement. What's the worst place to be in the draft? How often are these teams going to be kind of cycled? What's the fan investment? And building the roster for this Boston Celtics with limited funds. It's all right now on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And I'm here for you every day, Monday through Friday, with a free, fresh podcast dropped directly to your device if you're a subscriber. So open up your favorite podcasting app, click subscribe, get this show as soon as it publishes. Same thing on YouTube. Go there, ring the bell. Hop into the comment section, too. Let me know what you think of this new collective bargaining agreement that we're trying very, very desperately to explain. So I've broken up my very long conversation with Keith Smith of of spot track into three podcasts. I decided to go three podcasts instead of two, uh, mainly because the Sam Cassell stuff took a a big chunk out of that, that first, so it was going to be two long podcasts. So I, I made it three kind of more reasonably sized podcasts. This way you can absorb the information and hopefully uh, understand this a little bit better. Uh, it's a very fluid situation too. The final document still has not been written. So there may be some new wrinkles thrown in there that we'll have to come back and do a follow-up podcast and say, oh, by the way, they added this and this is better and this is worse. Uh, if you can't tell, you will be able to tell in this podcast how much I hate this new collective bargaining agreement. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. The Game Time app will get you $20 off your first purchase on last minute tickets. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code locked on NBA to get that $20 off last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's just dive into it, right? It's Keith, me. We had this conversation. Keith's from Spot Track. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to this stuff. Part two of our collective bargaining agreement conversation and how this impacts the Celtics. This, these new limitations essentially say, once you cross this threshold, you are done making moves. Brad Stevens, take a vacation. You're, if this is the team, you can't do nothing. You just do nothing that it's, it's so limited. Actually what it does is makes his job significantly harder because you can't, you can't make certain trades. You can't say, Hey, we're we're gonna salary dump this guy. We're going to readjust in the you know in on the fly, and you know make make these moves. You know, do a do a two for one or like consolidate the end of the bench for for some help. Yeah, the Malcolm Brogdon trade doesn't that, happen. That could not happen. Place. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that absolutely it, could not happen. It also makes the job that much harder and that much more important on two other groups of people within a front office. And that's your, your draft scouts. So yeah. they, cause you, you basically, the importance on nailing your draft picks goes way up. 
Mm-hmm. And then the other piece is your pro personnel scouts. So your guys who these guys are already pros, but they're playing in the G League or they're playing overseas. The guys you basically we didn't generally have thought of them as camp filler kind of guys or end of the roster filler. Those guys become even more important because instead of two guys at the end of your roster, that may be men 10 through 15 on your roster going forward because that may be all you have. To yeah. fill your roster out with, so that that's the other piece. Uh, both of those sides become really, really important, and the teams that kind of consistently win on the edges in those areas, they're going to have a massive advantage. Those Italian evalu- evaluators become, you know, arguably some of the most important people uh, yeah. in the NBA because you have to win on the edges in this new uh, CBA. You're you're gonna have to like the Sam Hauser contract, that type of deal has to be a home run. Yeah. And because that's the type of guy you're going to need to lock in at just above the minimum, you know, get them to agree to long. it. I feel like all of a sudden the second round and the undrafted part of the draft becomes increasingly more important because the first round is actually, as I'm processing this, it's almost like the middle to the end of the first round is the worst place to be now because you're locked into a slot. You're locked into multiple years of that slot. And if you're an expensive team, you kind of don't want to like that's that's a, and, and as the cap goes up and the percentage of that goes up, that's a big number. You know, I, I feel like that's going to be a hard place to, outside of the lottery. You're going to have the lottery teams and even in the lottery is going to be a little bit of a crapshoot. Outside of the lottery into the second round is going to be hell for teams because you're going to be drafting guys that are absolutely positively have to be on your team and you are committed to those salaries for multiple, multiple years. Second round is going to be, hey, we're going to we're going to do long term contracts based on this. We're going to do non guarantees. We're going to do all this other stuff that we can kind of play with to get us that flexibility. Um Boy, I think somebody who gets picks 25 through 30 or like the, the very end, those good teams, it's going to be a race to kind of trade those picks. No, Who's going to want those picks? Yeah, there's always been the joke, right? You'd rather be picking at 31 to 35 than you know, 25 to 30 yeah. because you're not locked in to to the contract then, right? You're, 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 you can still get the same general level of player, in yeah. that 10 pick range, but you're not locked into to to the you know four year rookie scale contract. Now, the other thing is you can't get them wrong because if you get them wrong, yeah. that becomes even worse dead salary on your roster than it was previous. And I think what you're going to see this lead to to kind of the short term nature of team building. I think we will see an increase in. Uh, rookie scale team options being declined. Now yes. it's pretty rare, and quite often it becomes a mistake. Can Teams I, can give I up on guys too early. Put this on the camera. Can I say off rookie <laughs> deal sooner? I wrote there that down go. earlier. Yep. Yeah, that, whether you trade those guys away or you just say nope, going into the third year they haven't shown yep. enough in years one and two. See you later. We're we're cutting them loose and off we go. Those are going to be the kind of unintended consequences that we'll see as well because you 100%. have to continue to be able to cycle your roster and clearing out that five to seven million dollars. That may be the difference between, all right, now we're out of the super tax. We have the breathing room. 
yeah right? we, we we can start to do a few other things that we couldn't do otherwise you know with that and that that's that's a huge thing too i don't like it i don't like it i don't like it for the league obviously i don't like it for the celtics i don't like it for the league i i think this is gonna have like they're gonna go through this two three years in they're gonna be like oh my god this is this is gonna be an incredible stretch of NBA history. I I'm just saying it up front. We're gonna we're gonna be three years into this deal, and I think all these teams are gonna start to hate it. And you're gonna get a team like OKC, small market team, that's that's gonna have a lot of young players coming up for contracts. OKC has not even been have they paid the tax what once? Yeah, Maybe? yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. So is OKC going to pay the tax? Forget super tax. Are they going to pay the tax? And are they going to get up to the level of increasingly, you know, <laughs> they're not going to get into the repeater. That's for damn sure. <laughs> they're not paying seven seventy five per dollar to keep a roster together. It just makes it seem like, and it's, it's, it's such an indiscriminate, like, Hey, all of these young teams, that have been built together through sacrifice, through tanking, through, hey, fans, we're, we're, we're just bear with us, bear with us. Now all of these guys are coming up for their deals, and it's going to be like, ooh, yeah, well, this would have been a fun team if we could have kept them, but see ya, Shea Gilgis Alexander. It's just too expensive. We got to go with, we got to go with the younger guys. You're just, we're, you're priced out. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I don't like it. I, I yeah, think. I- the whole thing is going to be gross. Back with more with Keith, including the fan investment. Why should fans care anymore about what's going on here if this team is going to have to keep turning over every few years? We'll explore that coming up. First, today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You're looking for something to do. Maybe you want to go check out a Red Sox game on a whim or something else if you don't want to go watch bad baseball. So check out the Game Time app. You can buy tickets to your favorite event, and it shouldn't be stressful. It won't be stressful on the Game Time app. And you can buy tickets to anything, sports, music, comedy, theater, anything near you. And Boston has a lot to offer. So check out the killer deals on last-minute tickets with the best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you'll have. There are flash deals. They're easy to find and buy. You get views of the seats so you can tell where you're sitting, what your view is going to be. It's a pretty cool app. So don't worry about planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right now up to the day of the event. So go check it out. They've got the Game Time guarantee, which means you're always going to get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will give you 110% of the difference. You get images of your seat before you buy. Uh, tickets come to you in a matter of seconds, two taps, and it's right to your phone. So you don't have to dig through your email, download the game time app, create an account, use the code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on NBA for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I think the ideal utopian world is. Every two to four years, new teams are cycling in, and it's anybody, right? It can be Indiana. It can be OKC. It can be Orlando. It can be Golden State. It can be Brooklyn. It can be New York. It can be the most expensive team. But every two to four years, 
teams are cycling through and nobody sits in the bottom too long and nobody sits at the top too long, unless it's just gross mismanagement, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like what the Clippers used, the Clippers you and I grew <laughs> up on, right? Like they were never going to be good no matter what, right? They just, you know, right. and that was almost on right. purpose. The, the um, Elgin Baylor. <laughs> yes. Clippers. And Donald Sterling's director. Yes. Of, you know, <sighs> oh, let's not send somebody to UCLA. That's too far away to scout. You know, that's two miles down the road. We can't do it. Right. That kind of nonsense. <laughs> so, um, so you've got that part of it. The other thing that I don't, I think that's the ideal utopian NBA version, right? As teams are just constantly cycling through and everybody really has a chance. I think the reality is, I think there is a chance this drives an even further divide between the most able to spend ownership groups and the ones who just won't. Now, they lose some of the stuff. You you can no longer sit you know, $25 million under the salary floor and then say, please give me my luxury check, luxury tax check. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let's move forward. That, that has been eliminated. They are going to force those teams to spend more yeah. money. You just, you won't share if you're not, if you don't hit uh, salary floors, uh, you don't get a chunk of that money, but I don't think you are slowing down to the point we, yeah, Steve Ballmer has a limit, right? There's going to be a point where he's not, a, he did not get to be a billionaire businessman by luck. And there's going to be a point where he's like, all right, we've gone too far now. Let's, you know, let's dial this back. Let's bring it back under control some. But it's still, there's that, we've one, we haven't found that number yet. And that's still miles upon miles between him and one of these other teams that, yeah, maybe we'll cycle through occasionally. So I think what's going to happen is these rich ownership groups that are like, all I care about is winning a title so I can lord it over everybody because this is my hobby. And if I'm not spending on this, I'm going to spend it on what one more, you know, $200 million yacht. Like, I don't care. Like I'll spend it here. Hmm. They're going to keep doing it. Now they'll be limited and their front offices are going to have to work really, really hard to build those teams out, but they're going to keep doing it because, because they can, you know, so I don't think, I don't think this is going to close that gap the way they're, truly intending i think what it does is it closes the gaps between the celtics box of the world of we'll pay the tax on occasion but we're not going to pay it every single year now i think you've tightened that up but i think those super expensive teams i think they're still going to exist because i don't see any reason why they wouldn't all right i'm going to throw this out there you don't have to respond i'm just kind of spitballing is this going to ultimately depress the value of franchises because if I'm super rich billionaire, right? I sold my tech company and you know I'm I'm the next Mark Cuban and I walk in and I give the Celtics ownership group what four billion dollars and uh I take a team and they go, Well, our championship window is very small now. Our ability to spend is is very limited. If you want to be a good team, you're gonna have to spend a ton of your own money to like really kind of because the, the here, here's the luxury tax rates. You're like, Oh damn, I've already spent billions of dollars. You're asking me to spend hundreds of millions on a roster. And you're telling me that once you get close, you are no longer able to make moves. You're going to have to blow this thing up within a couple years anyway. So the money that I'm spending as an owner is you know, much less guaranteed or I feel less likely that I'm going to win a championship. Why am I getting into this business? 
Like you just said, I'm here. I'm an egomaniac. Don't take that out of context. Don't cut <laughs> that up and and share that on Twitter. It's already too late. But I'm I'm the egomaniac owner. I want to win championships and lord it over my friends. Here's here's my four billion dollars. And now it's like, oh, hey, here's your championship window. Boom, it's closed. Well, well, what are we doing here? What are yeah, we? Do- I- I think as an owner, your mindset needs to be instead of buying a mansion and investing a ton of money into it and making it the best mansion where I'm going to stay forever. I'm constantly flipping houses. Like that's almost the approach, right? Like I'm, I'm putting a bunch of money in to get a, get something out of it. And then, you know what, then I'm on to the next one and been, it's not necessarily the next one in terms of next team, but I'm on to the next iteration of this team. And that's, that's going to be the kind of, kind of cycle seeing teams, we're not going to see very many warriors again, where it's been basically a decade with this group, right? Where it's like, this is it. Even the Celtics, I mean, we're going into year seven and eight with most of this core together. Like we're, we're probably not going to see that very often. It's probably going to be more four years, five years. That's probably going to be the extreme max end of, of your windows with, with that. I do think, does it depress ownership things? I mean, I've read a ton of stuff just because it's it's part of the world I live in and what I do covering this league about, hey, at some point, the bubble's going to burst on these media rights deals, right? But until it does, that's that's where it all lies, right? As long as those keep going up and they yeah. keep pouring money in, you know, people are going to keep buying these teams because at the end of the day, it's I forget who the first person I saw say this, but there's only 30 of them, right? Like to say you own one is, you know, that's that's – you know, that's a, that's a pretty exclusive club. If you're turning over the roster every two, three years, what the hell does a fan, what investment does a fan have to make? Yeah. This is, this is the worst part. The, the fan, uh, inv- investment in this team, the fans are now, they're listening to this podcast, right? We just spent 35 minutes talking about the, um, setting the table, right? These are all of the things that we're seeing in the collective bargaining agreement specifically with these teams, with the Celtics, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Grant Williams, all of these, Malcolm Brogdon, the the ripple effect here for Boston. If you're a Celtics fan and you're starting to hear, well, yeah, they got Brogdon and it, he might have to go or you're going to have to make a choice between one of these three guys. And, and maybe, you know, in today, like today when people are listening, they're saying like, yeah, yeah, blow it all up. But Next year is going to be the same thing. The year after is going to be the same thing. We don't know. We're in, like I said in in the other podcast, you get about a two year window here for the Celtics to kind of like get themselves in order and figure this out, or else you have to figure out is Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum going to go? Where, where are you going with that? And if Jalen Brown ends up going, who are you getting back? And if Jason Tatum ends up going down the road because it, it's not working, then you have to start over again. Why on earth are fans going to get invested in these teams and buy jerseys and spend the money on pl- in places where they normally spend the money? If if Derek White comes in and I'm like, man, I love this guy, and and he gets you know a good a good contract, and then after a couple of years, it's like I still love him, you know, and and the team's like, yeah, but we don't love him enough. We got to go. It's too too much money. We we got boom. Like all right, well. Why am I spending money on, on jerseys? Why am I spending money on going? I don't know who anybody is anymore. I just feel like the net effect is 
churning rosters, like you've said. Net effect is just go. Constant moving, constant moving, constant moving. Maybe you have a star or two that sticks around for a while, but constant motion behind that. It, I, don't, I don't know how I get involved and in, in, in invested in these teams if I'm a fan. Back to wrap up the podcast with Keith. Coming up next, we're looking at how much of a jam the Celtics are really in, how much they have to spend, depending on how many guys they want to keep. And I come up with a very uh, unappealing determination. That's coming up. I hate this CBA. Next, first, today's show brought to you by Prize Picks. NBA Finals are tied at one, so you got at least three more games to go to potentially become a millionaire. Play prize picks like normal. Make your entry after 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. One of you will be randomly selected each day, and you get a six-pick flex. If you get all six right, it's a million dollars. Five correct picks gets you $80,000. Four correct picks gets you $16,000, so there's plenty of money to be won. You got to go to prizepicks.com slash million. That has all the details and you have to opt in. Once you opt in, you play like normal. You pick against the projections. You pick two to six players on basically every sport that you watch. You're not competing against other people. You're It's you against the projections. And you pick, you go more, you go, you go less. If you win, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. 60 seconds or less to make your picks super easy. The withdrawals are safe. They're fast. Currently operational over 30 states in Canada. So go to the Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com to sign up. Play daily fantasy sports. If you're a first-time user, you get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. So whatever you deposit up to $100, they will match it. But you got to use that promo code Locked On to sign up for that instant deposit match up to $100. Hey, maybe you could become a millionaire. Yeah, it's definitely going to be harder. I mean, this is where it boils down to, right? It in a lot in sports, we root for laundry, right? And it's yeah, it's, that's what it is, right? You're rooting for the for the team and not the players. And and I noticed this was probably, gosh, this got to be over ten years ago. But I worked with someone, and it was hey, I know exactly when it was, and it was ten years ago because it was when LeBron James uh, was going back from the heat to the calves. So roughly 10 ish years ago or so, or I guess maybe it was when he went from the calves to the heat, but whatever it was, I worked with someone who was a huge LeBron James fan. And that's, she still is to this day. She's the biggest LeBron James fan. I know. And she has been a calves fan and then a heat fan and then a calves fan. And now she's a Lakers fan. Mm-hmm. Cause what she really is, is she's a LeBron fan. Yeah. So whatever team she's on. And I think you're going to see more fans attach themselves to players than the teams. I still don't think it's going to be the predominant way people uh, follow sports, but I think you're going to see more of that. And I think what you're also going to see is an increase on teams are going to lean heavier into like less about the players and more about like we're the Celtics, right? Like we, we are the Celtics, you know, we're, we're an institution and it's going to be those kind of things as they market it to, to teams. And I would tell, Hey, if you're fans of the Celtics, you know, maybe don't buy a Jersey, like buy <laughs> just a sweatshirt, you know, or a t-shirt yeah. of yeah. You know, the team or well, whatever it is, you know, maybe that's the, the better route to go with those kind of things. I think, you know, that's the sort of stuff that's going to come out of this because to your point, you're not going to, 
get super attached to a guy. You know, the Jason Tatums of the world, I think you can always feel free to get attached to that guy. Whoever it is, is the superstar player on a franchise. There's a good chance that guy will be around. But even in today's world, sometimes that guy's only around for four, five, six years, and then they're gone. And, you know, but yeah, role player, right, who we all love, right? And nobody loves anything more than man, I've been watching this team get built up through the draft and I, you know, I've, I'm super attached to these guys because I've had the last six years with them and we're finally ready to break through. I mean, basically where the Celtics are sitting and then all of a sudden it is, oh wait, we have to start trading away some of the guys that I really love and, you know, they're, they're my favorite guy and those kind of things. And it's just going to be, you know, it's just going to be the, the the business of the way it works for, for now, for, you know, a lot of teams and a lot of players. It's, it's probably not going to be your true franchise guys necessarily all the time, but, you know, good luck if you get attached, super attached to a role player, because, you know, you, you better enjoy the time that you have with him because he's probably not going to be there very long. So the Celtics have this one summer to get their affairs in order. So we've set up that in the last podcast, like I said. What are we doing here? What's What do you see? Let's get into the specifics. Sure. How do the Celtics, with their current cap situation as one of the more expensive teams in the league, how do they, this summer, prepare themselves for next summer? So let's start with the team-wide view. They're basically sitting just a tick under the super tax right now. But that's without Grant Williams being signed to a new contract. That's without filling out the roster. They could create a little more wiggle room if they were to waive Justin Champagne, if they were to waive Luke Cornett, if they didn't pick up Mike Muscala's team option, those kind of things. If they moved Peyton Pritchard, it didn't take any salary back. They, they can create themselves a little bit more wiggle room. But for the most part, they're probably going to be right at or probably just ticked into the super tax by the time you you make all your decisions and you fill that all out. Now, when we get to individual players, this is super important because I still feel like even though you know, I think we've all said it till we're blue in the face, it's worth saying it one more time. Jalen Brown is not a free agent this summer. He is under contract to the Celtics next year for almost $32 million. That is his final year under contract, but he is under contract. I cannot tell you how many times I've been asked and been told, well, what if Jalen Brown just leaves for nothing this summer? He can't. That yes. That's not going to happen. The Celtics are still in control here. Now, for Jalen Brown, though, he is now super max eligible. So now we're moving from super tax for the team to super max for the player. And what that means is, because he made All-NBA this season, he is now eligible to make up to, in the first year of a new extension, up to 35% of the salary cap starting in 2024-25. That 35% of the cap right now projects to $50 million, basically. It's a slightly over that, but just call it $50 million. That deal projects to be out to over $290 million. If the cap goes up more than what we think, then that could jump up to, uh, you know, up into the range of, you know, $300 million uh, total and start out, you know, somewhere probably just south of $55 million. So that's what the Celtics can <laughs> offer him, right? I know, right? It's mind-blowing. Big money, man. That's the, the, the realities, the economics of the NBA. So that's just Jalen Brown. So now if we take Jalen Brown and let's let's say the Celtics say, you know what, we got to do it. We got to keep Jalen Brown around. He's our guy. We got to have him here uh, on the Celtics. They would be sitting 
starting that 24 season. Now, remember, in the last show, in the first half of the podcast, we said that's when everything gets super punitive, right? That's when everything gets really, really tough is next season. So let's say Jalen Brown signed on that. Al Horford, Malcolm Brogdon under contract, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Derek White, Robert Williams. That's seven players at $169.3 million. The super tax line projects to be roughly for that season, $191 million. 22 million sounds pretty good till you realize I just said that's only seven players. Yeah. So you still got eight roster spots to fill with $22 million. That isn't very much to do with. You'd have a draft pick, presumably, um, that you'll have come in, you know, we we all hope in the very late 20s, right? So that'll drop in there. So then you know, call that two and a half million-ish in range. Um, that'll drop in, and then then you're in now you're talking, all right, there, and that's eight guys. I still get seven spots to fill out with roughly 20 million dollars. But all I'm looking at is minimum contracts, unless I've re-signed Grant Williams too. Let's say I gave Grant Williams a deal that's worth $15 million in that season. Now I'm basically almost there. And then, you know, Danilo Gallinari is a free agent by then. You end up with all sorts of stuff that adds up to, it becomes really, really hard. I'm going to take it one step further. Then right on the heels of that in 2025, I'm going to have Jason Tatum now mm -hmm. eligible for his super max which will start roughly at $53.2 million. That's 35% of the cap. So I'm on to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum making well over $100 million combined between the two of them for two players against a cap that will probably be $150 million or so. But I'm talking $50 million for 13 spots. And it just gets that much harder. That's why when you hear people saying, it is not all about Jalen Brown, the basketball player, whether he should be back on the Celtics or not. A lot of it comes down to, can you have these two guys rostered at $100 million plus for a period of what would be overlapping about four seasons um, together for that amount of money? Can you? I mean, it sounds great, right, to start with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in their prime years and all of that stuff, but you've We've proven they can't win a title by themselves. So you got to have good players around them. And that's going to be the problem. Can you get enough good players around them when they're there yeah, with all the restrictions you'll have on how you build out the rest of that team? All right. All right. Uh, let me choke down this bile <laughs> and get to, get to business here. Yep. Let's start with, you're going to have to tinker around the edges. So it's obvious. It's obvious this summer, they're going to have to find a way off a bigger contract. Yep. It is what it is when it comes to this CBA feels like somebody's got to go and it's got to happen this summer. Doesn't absolutely positively have to happen this summer, but it probably in reality, functionally, now's the time to do it. It feels like we're going to wrap up this podcast. Three, part three, part three, that's what I'm saying. Part three is tomorrow. If you have questions, send them to me through johncorrales.com slash mailbag. 
Hit me up with the questions. I'll get a mailbag on Friday. I'll organize all the questions Thursday so you can listen to part three, ask whatever questions. I'll try to clarify some stuff on Friday. And this way we can end the weekend, you know, get it head into the weekend. Uh, you can, you can get a feel comfortable about, about the grasp that you have on the CBA as we know it. It's a lot. I know collective bargaining agreement stuff. It's like, Oh God, what is this? Uh, an economics class, but this is how the Celtics get built. This is how this is going to determine whether Jalen Brown sticks around, how long he sticks around, how long Jason Tatum sticks around. When do they have to break up this team? Because they're going to have to break up this team somehow. How does that look? That's all part of these shows. So hopefully you're enjoying it. Subscribe to the podcast if you're new. And if you, uh, if you're not, uh, then you are, then you are one of the everydayers. You're one of our regular listeners who I really, really do appreciate. Uh, so thank you for that. I'd love it. If you shared the podcast, tell your friends, tell everybody they should be listening to and watching the lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the lockdown podcast network, your team every day. <laughs>